We'll read from the Revelation, Revelation 19, beginning at verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, for blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. We've had many weddings in the past year. So marriage at least is on my mind today, coupled with the fact that Debbie and I celebrate an anniversary Wednesday on Valentine's Day. But so do Brother Chet and Sister Verna and Brother Jack and Sister Wendy. So let your focus be on them. But uh, there's another wedding coming up, and that's what's really on my mind. We see it called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And New Testament uh, teachings show that the saints are the bride and Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. We're all invited. Some people are dismissive of the wedding invitations they receive. Perhaps men more than uh, women, at least I'm told that. And I noticed yesterday upon entering, as with other weddings, we come in and, and sign a guest book to let it be recorded that we attended. It won't be that way at the Married Supper of the Lamb. You don't, uh, we don't show up and sign in. Your name must already be on the manifest, if you want to call it that. But Eric mentioned here a couple of weeks in a, in a sermon, some trials with regard to flying home. And Debbie and I had a similar experience just a year ago where there was a flight cancellation. So we showed up early to uh, rebook. The connecting flight was the one canceled, but the one departing from where we were was not. But we had to make arrangements because we were due to arrive home on Saturday, then be home on Sunday. And then I was scheduled to leave for Africa on Monday. So I, I kind of needed to get home. Well, as it turns out, no problem. They rebooked us, and uh, we were plenty early, sat, waited for boarding. We had the ticket and everything, and we went to the gate to be scanned, the board boarding pass, that is, to be scanned, and they stopped us. Yeah, wait, something's wrong. I said, well, wait, it says right here, we have a seat. We're here. We, we let a, there was confusion, and... Unlike Brother Eric, we didn't make it home that night. We made it home the next day. But there will be no confusion at the married supper of the Lamb. Your, your name is, has already been recorded if you're saved. And when you show up, there will be someone like Brother Ray Roll uh, used to testify when he came into church to get saved as a backslider. He, he told the usher, God is expecting me. So it can be said, as you show up at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Lord is expecting me. Well, He is. He's expecting all of you because the invitation is universal. 
All limitations are not. When our son got married to uh, Ashley, they uh, had a very small wedding, so not uh, too many were uh, invited. When my one sister found out about him, my oldest sister, she said, that's one wedding I don't want to miss. And I had to tell her, well, actually, you're going to miss it. <laughs> she wasn't on the guest list, but not for any reason of animus, just that it was restricted. Well, you're invited. It's universal. Whosoever will may come. In the parable, if... Uh, if if we would have continued reading what Brother David brought this morning, it concludes with, many are called, but few are chosen. The many is, is the universal invitation, but the few are those who embrace it rather than dismiss it. And it's not God who rejects man, it's man who rejects God. Your name, your name can be there. There's a contrast between what is happening in this scene in heaven and, uh, and what is happening on earth below. On earth below is the great tribulation. In heaven above, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So to be dismissive of the one is to embrace the other. On earth, it's a time of trouble such as never been from the beginning of the human race until that point in time. It's, uh, the events are uh, manipulated or orchestrated by uh, what some call the unholy trinity. The enemy of our soul is always trying to counterfeit, counterfeit what, what God's uh, plan has. And this unholy uh, trinity uh, starts with what is the dragon, in the Revelation. And he's identified in the next chapter as the serpent, the devil, Satan. He tries to answer to God, the Father. And we also see in these preceding chapters the beast. He is the anti-Christ, just like the dragon is the anti-God. The beast is Satan personified. He has come promising peace and global unity. He can solve the problems of every nation all at once. And people will embrace what he brings, the message he brings. And it, it won't be hard. Just look what happened in the last few years as far as the human race following after what in some sense was partly contrived in response to uh, a crisis granted but like sheep, we follow. And in some cases, followed too, too much when we should have followed God. But a lesson learned, but the greater lesson is that we can be manipulated. And that's what will happen to the human race. They will embrace the global unity, one economy, one currency, a great solution. Well, he's the Antichrist, and different ones try to identify who he is. I don't want to be around once his identity is revealed. I want to be rejoicing at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and so do you. And then there is the false prophet. 
He's the religious ruler identified in uh, these preceding uh, chapters. He's somewhat of a, of a global pope, if you will. Some uh, have claimed that he, he would be uh, just that. Well, be that as it may, we don't want to be uh, around for any of that. We want to respond to the Spirit of God who is in the world today. We want to respond to the Holy Trinity. Well, the text, we spoke of the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's actually preceded by four hallelujahs in the same chapter. That is four uh, praise the Lord's. And that was leading up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we uh, are among those who praise the Lord before that event occurs. It helps to better understand the three elements of a, a Jewish marriage in Bible times. There was the betrothal, you know about that, having just come through a Christmas season where Mary was espoused to Joseph. They, that's the betrothal period of approximately one year. That's where the marriage covenant is established between a man and a woman. And that was the case in, in Bible times. It was binding and could not be broken except uh, under the condition described there in Matthew chapter 1. And it corresponds to getting saved. Paul wrote of that. He says, I've espoused you to one husband in Second Corinthians 11 2, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We make up the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. It's designed that we be pure and holy. And, and we see that with our brides as they uh, prepare for the wedding and come down the aisle. Every bride is, uh, is beautiful. Every groom is handsome. That's um, symbolic of the purity that God demands not only of brides and grooms before they marry, but also of the bride of Christ. And there's a taking of the bride. And we, we see that represented in the parable of the ten virgins, virgins where at midnight there was a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him that corresponds to the rapture of the church when the dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together will be in a sense seized from this um, earth to the azure above to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord we were betrothed to him when we got saved and we are taken to be uh, his bride at the rapture of the church and finally the wedding feast and that is what the text uh, speaks of. That's the celebration of the wedding party after the bride and groom have come together. Jesus was at a wedding feast at the marriage <clears throat> of Cana uh, of Galilee. That feast, um, by the way, isn't like a one or two hour reception like we might have in our day, but it could last for days. But they, it, it's a time of celebration, a time of rejoicing. A time of, uh, of happiness. And that's what will be the married supper of the Lamb in contrast to what is happening down here on earth where it's a time of travail, a time of uh, trouble where um, men will call for the rocks and the hills to uh, fall on them and they'll throw their silver and their gold to the moles and to the bats. But in heaven there's rejoicing. That's where we want to be. I mean, don't you? 
Anybody want to stick around? Please, no, no, you don't. You're invited to this wedding. You want to be there. It, it, it reminds me of ordinance service scheduled for this evening. The first part of ordinance is uh, somewhat sobering as we uh, take the, the, the bread representing Jesus' broken body and, and drink the fruit of the vine representing his shed blood uh, to be followed by a, a time of a celebration, the, the washing of feet as described in John 13. Well, we, we leave this world behind at the rapture of the church. Trials, temptations, troubles. Life's not a picnic for anyone. Life may have a picnic or two along the way, but it's life that gives way to victory, to a time of rejoicing, a time of, of celebration. The bride hath made herself ready. Well, we can... It takes the blood of Jesus for the bride, well, in a, in a wedding here below, for the bride and groom to make themselves ready. We, um, we cannot purify our own hearts. We can fix up the exterior to uh, limited degrees of success, but it takes the blood of Jesus to remedy the corruption with which we were born. And that's what Paul speaks of in Ephesians 5. Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We're to be holy and without blemish. That's what every bride, uh, how every bride attempts to present herself on her wedding day. And they seem to always be successful in that, uh, in that measure. But we are interested in presenting ourselves that way at the rapture of the church and subsequently at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's that one in the parable who showed up without a wedding garment. And you notice, the, the bride puts on the wedding garment not after the wedding, beforehand. If we intend to attend the marriage supper of the Lamb, we must prepare ourselves beforehand, before the rapture of the church. The one guest showed up in the parable unexpectedly. What what are you doing? This is a surprise that you try to get here, and there won't be surprises. The marriage supper of the Lamb, they, they just they won't show up that way. No confusion. Debbie and I had a, had a limited celebration of our 25th wedding anniversary, inviting those who were part of our wedding party. So not too many, just um, just a few. And honestly, I answered the door, and I was so surprised not anyone that anybody here would know, so I'm not betraying anything. But someone showed up, and I thought, wait a minute. What are you... What, I, I, I hope I didn't seem shocked, but it was someone who had 
heard about it through the grapevine and thought it was a universal invitation. And so I was surprised. There won't be any surprises at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We won't even be surprised. If we're surprised at seeing someone and saying, what are you doing here? Then we're probably not going to be there. But we must prepare ahead. To her it was granted that she should be arrayed in, in fine linen, clean and white. Symbolic, as I said, of inner purity, holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We must have our sins forgiven and the carnal nature eradicated that we can stand before God with a pure heart. Still very human in nature, but that nature purified to where every remnant of the inward condition of sin with which we were born is destroyed. The bride was modest. Thank God that our brides present themselves in a modest fashion, unlike the world. And it's very striking that in contrast to the biblical prescription, when brides of this world tend to disrobe publicly as they prepare to present themselves rather than cover themselves publicly. That's, that's immodest. Immodesty, well, I'll put it this way. Modesty is attractive to everyone. Immodesty will certainly capture attention, but it will capture attention that you don't really want. And he said, Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, it is blessedness. It is God who has called us. And we appreciate and value that invitation. He didn't have to do it. Uh, we, were not, uh, we were not deserving of it. But the Lord nevertheless called us. The parable that was read spoke of a king preparing a wedding for his son and extending that invitation saying the the oxen are killed the fatlings uh, all things are ready come and so many had other plans shall we say it's one thing to have other plans in this world when the wedding invitation comes but it's another thing to have other plans or be distracted or have uh, mixed up priorities with regard to this heavenly invitation. All things are ready. One day those words will echo across heaven. All things are ready. And the, the, the betrothed bride of Christ uh, will hear uh, the, the cry, Behold, the bar- bridegroom cometh. The rapture will occur, and we will be ushered into the marriage supper of the Lamb. We see the, as I mentioned, the dismissive attitude of some in the parable. And that, that's, it, it comes with every generation in this life. I, it, I, I noticed during the time that my family was coming into the gospel, having come from out in the world, other families who were brought up in the church were leaving the gospel. Oh, God help us. 
Let's value the invitation. Let's value the gospel. When we arrive, here are the words that you will hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Come, you blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared from you, for you, from the foundation of the world. Those words, when you enter the marriage supper of the Lamb and hear those words, you might remember this day I, I heard those. Yeah, that, that's it. I heard that I was going to hear those words, and now I've heard them. At the Last Supper, Jesus said as he taught his disciples about what some call communion, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It's going to happen. What we do here is simply a foretaste of what we will do there. We must watch. We must be ready. We must prepare ourselves. Jesus also said, Blessed are those servants whom when the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and I will come forth and serve him. Wow. Served by the Lord. That's what we will be doing up there as the world is headed toward complete destruction down here. Your choice. Marriage Supper of the Lamb, Great Tribulation. It's awful simple, isn't it? I mean, would you rather have a, a pat across the back by a friend or a fist across the face? I mean, we weren't, none of us were born yesterday. We can figure that out, can't we? If you're not saved, here's your chance. Here's your moment. Come. All things are ready. The Lord will hear. He'll answer your prayer.